This is part five of a story called The Air. Let's start with a quick summary. Our story started in Panama. Our main character is Wilrich Otto Schneider. He is a 73-year-old German billionaire. Wilrich never married, he never had any children, and he decides to retire from being rich and famous. He gives his entire fortune away. Our other main character is Karli Richter. She's 37. Karli was born in South Africa and she immigrated to Canada with her husband and a baby son. Tragedy. Her husband and his son dies in a horrible car accident a few months later. Karli stays behind in Vancouver. Wilrich Otto Schneider gives his entire fortune to Karli Richter. Why? Why Karli? So to clarify, Karli is not Wilrich's daughter. Wilrich is not terminally ill. Nobody is blackmailing Wilrich. His money is legal. Wilrich's brain is ultra sharp and he's not insane or on drugs or confused. Wilrich is not in love with Karli and he actually made the decision before he met her. And on Karli's side, Karli does not know Wilrich, and Karli did not ask or beg or cheat to get the billionaire's money. So the question again, why did Wilrich give his money to Karli? This is Wilrich's answer. He struggled with insomnia for 53 years. He could not sleep. It started on his 18th birthday, a tragic day when his mother committed suicide and Wilrich found the body. From that moment on, he could not sleep, and nothing helped. And then the strangest thing happened. Wilrich listened to a podcast called Bedtime Stories for Adults. He fell asleep within three minutes that night, and he slept for eight solid hours. And it happened again the next night, and then again the next. Within five days, Wilrich found the storyteller, and yes, it was Karli Richter. He immediately hired a private investigator to find out every detail of this young woman's life, because she changed his miserable, sleep-deprived life. Now, to be clear, Wilrich the billionaire is a very calculated man. He did not decide in a single day to give Karli the money. He spent two years before making his final decision, and then a conclusion. Karli would be his heir. Wilrich decided to give his money to Karli in Panama. He organized an international podcasting conference. At this prestigious event, Karli would receive an award of $5,000, and all her expenses were paid. So she came, of course. Of course she did. And here in Panama, Wilrich gave her his entire fortune. At the end of part four of the story, Karli signed all the legal documents and she now legally owned Ulrich's company called Kleber Industries. So another question, why did Karli take the money? Simply because she did not have the faintest idea of how rich Ulrich was. Put yourself in her shoes, a rich man says, I want to live a simple life. I want to retire. I want you to be my heir. 
And that's what we secretly wish for. That letter in the mail which says we inherited lots of money from a distant uncle. Humans say yes, please, to free money and to inheritance. Of course, Carly said yes. So back to Panama. When Carly left Canada, she had travel plans. She would attend the podcasting conference and receive the massive amount of $5,000 and then use that money to travel to South America. And her first stop would be Colombia. But, 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 Volrich gave her all his money and then he asked if he could travel with her to Colombia. He wanted to experience normal travel, regular tourist travel with taxis and living in an Airbnb or a backside hotel backstreet hotel and yes he was sure um, this would be a perfect start to a new and normal life and did Carly want to take him with her oh no 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 but but put yourself in her shoes again how do you say no after you've said yes please I'll take your money so of course today's adventure starts in Colombia with Carly and Vorich we are in the town Cartagena It's on Colombia's Caribbean coast and was founded as a port city in 1533. A massive fortress wall of 11 kilometers stretches around the old town. In this old town area, Volrich and Carly will stay in an Airbnb. Cartagena de Indias is a beautiful picturesque colonial city with well-preserved old, old churches and brightly colored buildings in Panama, Vorich and Carly's journey started with Vorich's helicopter taking them to the airport. There, they waited four hours for a commercial flight to Colombia. Normally, Vorich would have used his private jet, one of his private jets. This time, he flew into Colombia in economy class and under the name of Otto Mayer. Mayer was his mother's maiden name. As a child, Vorich always travelled as Ottomeyer, a false name not associated with the famous Kleber Industries, never that. And to now fly to a country such as Colombia with his real name, that would be reckless and dangerous. Travelling to Colombia, a place notorious for kidnappings for ransom, that would take careful planning by Volrich's security team and would require a full security detail of bodyguards and armoured cars. But this time in Cartagena, Fulrich and Carly moved into a tiny Airbnb in the old town, and those three days in that little room, they were by far the best days of Fulrich's life because he was free. Free for the first time ever. He felt twenty years younger and giddy, and he joked and he laughed and he played. Nobody knew him. Nobody called him Herr Schneider or Bas or Sir. Free. Before they left Panama, Vulrich had insisted that Carly made the rules and the day plans, simply because she knew about this way of travelling. So on day one, they shopped at a supermarket. Vulrich had never been in one. Oh joy! They bought Vulrich a blue tourist-type t-shirt with I Love Colombia printed on it. Carly bought food for their daily travel backpack and every day she made them two thick sandwiches for lunch. They ate their breakfast in the closed courtyard of the tiny Airbnb. 
their host just made a breakfast with no orders. They simply ate what she proudly presented. Delicious. The host Teresa thrived with Wilrich's compliments and always brought him a second helping while she sang. Godly spoke good enough Spanish to get by and to make people laugh at her jokes. Her Spanish ability made this ambitious travel possible because at the airport when they arrived in Colombia, she found the taxi driver within minutes. She said, At home, I'm part of a very large immigrant community. Carlos is the second cousin of a friend of mine and, and he'll keep us safe. He will be our driver and his aunt Teresa is our Airbnb host. So on the airport in Cartagena, a young man stood on a small stool, wildly waving two yellow flags. Godly said, That's him! That's Carlos! We made up a secret code of two yellow flags so that I could be sure that it's him. And so Carlos became their tour guide. On day one, he took them to the Airbnb and then did a short city tour. He then drove them to the supermarket. And on day two, he took them to a faraway beach that only the locals used. On this wonderful wide-open beach, Vodich and Karli lay in hammocks, and they ate their homemade white bread sandwiches with apricot jam. Karli had cut up fresh fruit, and she held out a bag of nuts. A little later, the two of them sat on cheap white plastic chairs in the ocean. The tide was low. A vendor sold them each a massive white hat and insisted that it would keep them cool. Carly paid again, as she did in the supermarket. She insisted, and Vulrich protested. Nobody had ever paid for him. Then Carly left Vulrich. I'm going to gather stories, she said and left. She spoke to everybody. She picked up local children and carried them around, and she bought entire families ice cream and joined them on the picnic blanket under their umbrellas as if she were a close relative. They babbled in Spanish. Vorich watched. He ate ice cream. He pulled his chair deeper into the ocean and had the waves crash over him. Two little children joined him in the game. At times, the waves flipped the chairs. Vulrich lay in the sea sand, flat on his stomach, and he loved life. He loved the feeling of swimming on his own, where not a soul watched over him. Free. He became just another old man swimming. And he also became Carly's father. The moment they landed in Cartagena, Carly had simply told Carlos that Wolrich was her father. For once in his life, Wolrich Otto Schneider did not have to think. Carly planned and thought about everything, just the way he asked her before they left Panama. I go with you, and you promise me to do exactly everything you would do on your own. You know how to travel this way? Let's make the deal. I'll teach you about the handling and of the fortune and the empire. But after this, the trip. First holiday. I want to live your way of living, even for only these three days. And that was that then. 
Carly's way of travelling. In the evenings, they sat on the 20-meter-wide wall of the walled city of Cartagena and they simply watched sunsets. They bought beer from a vendor and they drank these from the bottles. They sat in an ancient church. For silence and to rest and to cool down, and of course, for Carly to look and sit and to gather stories. Her silences came suddenly. Her entire body relaxed. Her breathing slowed down, and the most astonishing radiant smile ran to her lips. She became completely unaware of Ulrich. She watched, and her deep breaths gathered sounds, smells, and scenes. Lights, music, laughter, the loud clang of the church bell. For hours and hours, she gathered. And so did Vorich. For the first time ever, he sat still for long enough amongst ordinary people, and he watched their way of life, their normal days, and these scenes mesmerized him. In the evenings, they took a horse and carriage and driver to move around. On the first night, only in the old city, in the walled city of Cartagena, where all the buildings were restored and colonial and painted in different colors. After that, they took a trip to Getsemani, to that district. They were invited to dinner. Carlos had an uncle who had a birthday. Carly took a gift, a plant, and they were treated like close relatives. Carly translated very often that evening to include Vilrich. They sat outside in the middle of the street of uneven cobblestones. Hundreds of open umbrellas hung upside down, and it made a canopy above them in all four directions. Teeny tiny lights hid in their, these umbrellas, making them seem as if they floated in midair. Carlos's uncle barbecued steak, and they cut a massive watermelon. They all ate from large, mismatched, coloured plastic plates. Children played hide-and-seek, and a young man and woman did a slow, close dance to music that played from an old radio from a neighbour's windowsill. A ginger-coloured cat climbed onto Volrich's lap and it stayed there. And a vendor came and sold Volrich yet another large white sun hat, which made everybody smile. The family liked Carly's father and they treated him with the utmost respect. All Colombians did this with all the older people. They got the best chairs, the best view, and they were served first during dinner. In the supermarket they were taken to the front of the line. Carlos and his older brother took Volrich and Carly home on the back of motorcycles. Summer traffic caused gridlock in the old Old city of Cartagena. Vulrich yelled with joy on the back of that motorcycle. He laughed so much that Carly worried about him. That night, Vulrich fell asleep without Carly's bedtime stories. He simply used the images, the sounds and the smells and the laughter, the entire dinner under those floating and flickering umbrellas. 
He drifted into a memory bubble of laughter and of friendship and the smell of barbecue and that of a slow dance of new love. The next day, on day three, Carlos came very early to take them to the fort of St. Lazaro. It was in a hill, and they would go to the fortress castle of San Felipe that was built in 1536 as a lookout point in Cartagena. Wham! And on this high fort, disaster struck. A perfect holiday fell apart in minutes. Two different things happened. But before taking them to the fort, Carlos took Vorich and Carly to his own neighborhood and to his own humble house. He did this without warning and without asking Carly, something he'd never done before. He always double-checked every detail of every day with her, not this time. He suddenly announced, I'm kidnapping you two in Colombia. And he made a oh-so-dangerous U-turn and then took a small road leading away from Cartagena. Carly protested and she gave a nervous giggle. No, she said. But Carlos turned up the radio, which drowned her voice. Vorich worried because Carly worried. Carlos raced to a pink little house. Mi casa. This is my house, he proudly said. It was surrounded by flowers and trees and love and friendship. His neighbor brought a large orange bucket filled with water, and he planted it in the car between Vulrich's legs. They added three bunches of tropical flowers. Carlos drove to the corner, and then he picked up a yellow songbird in a rusted cage, and that went to the front seat, and he picked up a bag of ripe avocados. And then he picked up a pile of white sunats that all the vendors sold, and which Vulrich already had two of. It made everybody laugh. Carlos raced to the beach and he picked up three nieces and a nephew. The little kids bundled into the car through the windows. They were dripping wet and covered in sand. Carlos brought everybody sticky pink ice cream cones. To Vulrich, these moments were the most chaotic ever in his ordered life. He licked pink ice cream with a sandy child on his lap which kept on giggling and the child hopped and sang. Water from the orange bucket spilled on his legs. Carlos babbled in Spanish and for once, Carly did not translate. After that, Carlos delivered his cargo, first the flowers to a restaurant and then the bird to a little old lady who sat on a corner of a street, the kids to their mother and the avocados to a friend. Welcome to the real Columbia, he yelled, as he made another oh-so-dangerous U-turn. Now you can go to the tourist fort, he said, as if this would be a very big come-down. He dumped them on the sidewalk, waved, and raced away. I am the sticky, Vorich said when Carlos left them. Carly laughed, and she gave him a large ripe avocado to carry. It was a gift from Carlos. Carly carried her own gift, two beautiful tropical flowers, one red and one orange. And she rushed Vulrich into the gates of San Lazaro Fort. Phew, she said, that was unexpected. Are you okay? Ja, Kent. Did you get the good story? 
with the beginning and the middle and the end and the small twist? Vorich said. Carly smiled and um, she seemed to relax for the first time since Carlos suddenly made that U-turn to his own neighborhood. Of course I got a story, she said. And it's got a title. It's called Carlos Kidnapped Me in Cartagena. And in this story, you are not in the car. Sorry, but in a story there's always a twist. And this is so much better if I'm alone when I'm kidnapped. She, she winked. They climbed up into the fort, higher and higher, and then she sat on a wall. Come on, sit down, she said. We'll eat the avocado. Vorich sat. And just then it happened. Just then, disaster number one. Senor Schneider, Senor Schneider, a woman called and came running. You in town? We haven't opened your house, Senor. Sorry, boss. I'll go to the market. No, wait here. The big festival at the neighbor's house. You'll have to go. Why didn't uncle call me? And see, on and on and on and on and on she went at the speed of light, close to hysteria. Her name was Lucia. Volrich closed his eyes and he sighed. <sighs> Do you know this woman? Carly said. Yeah, it is my housekeeper. Vorich scooped half of his avocado into his mouth with his finger. Very much like a naughty child, and he ignored Lucia. Your, your housekeeper, Carly said. Mm. I have the house here, he said. And then he chewed with a mouth so full of green avocado, and he said, Nyam. You have a house in Cartagena, Carly said. Yeah. Vorich said and he licked his fingers. And when were you going to tell me this? Vorich sighed again and he said, Not on this trip. We're on your as a holiday and I never had a better holiday. Never so much the fun. He glanced over the rest of Cartagena and he declared that he was never going back to his old life, that he liked this life better and he licked the pink ice cream from his arm and he smelled the empty skin of the avocado from the inside out, still ignoring Lucia. The next moment, disaster number two followed. Two men in black suits came running toward Volrich. You're safe, sir. We worried, the younger one said, and he was agitated, nervous, and in fear. The older man stepped closer. We lost you when the taxi made you made that U-turn and raced out of town. We were worried, Mr. Schneider. I aged a year. Angel, Volrich ordered. What are you doing here? You have been following me? He hissed. He was angry. He was furious, actually. Uh, 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 Angel stuttered. Mr. Eustacio gave the order, sir. He said to be very discreet, sir. We were, but we thought they kidnapped you this morning when... Volrich hissed. Stop. Mr. Eustacio, what? He said, what? So order for the what? Carly pulled Volrich away from the man. Um, we, we, we have to talk now. I, nine, Volrich said. I want to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Carly said, um, I am the bottom of this. So sorry, sir, Mr. Schneider. You what? 
Ori said out of breath. It's my fault, Carly said. Please listen. She took a very deep breath and then told him the story. Carly had phoned Eustacio from the airport while they waited for that commercial flight to Panama. Eustacio lived in Panama and he was born there. He was a highly qualified investment banker and he became Vilrich's personal assistant 20 years ago. He is Vilrich's most trusted friend and ally. He does not know that Carly is Vilrich's heir when our story starts. Eustacio is simply a good, honest, kind and compassionate man and he's utterly and absolutely loyal to Vilrich in every way. Before the planned trip to Panama, Carly told him everything, and she asked for his advice. She needed information about Vilrich, first about his health and his medical insurance. Then she asked for protection in Colombia for Vilrich. He was flying under a pseudonym of Otto Meyer, but that was not enough. She had simply done a Google search on Vorich Otto Schneider that night before and realized that Colombia would be too dangerous for a man this famous and well-known. When Carly told him, Eustacio threw a tantrum. He threatened her. He called her a gold digger, a fake, an irresponsible child. And on and on and on and on he went with more of the same. Ay, 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 Eustacio said. And that was what he said when he became extremely upset. Carly then begged him to organize security, but discreetly so, so that Vorich would be safe, so that he might just once have a few regular holiday days. Eustacio finally agreed after another ay 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 and then he organized security guards that would wear bright blue sun hats with something red attached to that, so that Carly could see them from a distance, and they would look and act as tourists. And they did, Carly said to Vorich, who stared at her as if she had just changed into a speaking rabbit. They, they were discreet, you never saw them. Vorich interrupted her. So my three free days were fake. These carefree, brilliant days were not real. No, 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 Carly said. Every moment of the three days and three nights were real. We did exactly what I would do. I did not change one idea, did not take any detours, did not skip fun, and did not make any special plans to keep you safe. You stars here and you mended all of that. Volrich shook his head. Why? Why? Why did you do this? <sighs> Because you're important to me, I care about you. Yeah, but... Yes, I care, and you are a high-risk companion in a third-world country. A risk for me, too, she said, almost in tears. I I would have been fine without... Vorich stopped and he sighed. He looked at Cartagena from up high. Danke schön, he said. Thank you. Carly said, well... I also need you to educate me. What if something happened to you here? I, I have a stack of signed forms in Panama and I know nothing yet. She tried to be a little funny. Vorich laughed because she exaggerated by throwing her arms into the air and pulling a desperate face. Well, he said, no time like the present then. 
let me introduce you to yours a new life. About that, Carly said, and she looked down. Yeah? Could I, um, could I be a silent partner? Is there any way in which I could not become a public figure? I would hate having constant security and and of being famous and, and the newspapers will... I already take care of that, Varich said. You are simply a list of the numbered accounts. I've made you the writer who will write my memoirs. That sounds all right? Will it, will it work? Carly said. Ach ja, Kent. That is my main focus, to keep you invisible and unfamous and unrich and for you to never meet me minus a family. They would sue you and so on. Nine, trust me. But I do worry, Carly said. You've seen how I live, how I travel. I wish to continue traveling like this and living like this. You will. But the right now, we have to go to my house and prepare for the big birthday of my British neighbor. This man is a Maximilian II. And from that moment on, the roles reversed. Wilrich led and Carly followed orders. They climbed into the back of a black car with black windows and a chauffeur and a security car led the way and yet another one followed a convoy. Wilrich's house was on the ocean and three properties removed from that of Colombian writer and Nobel Prize winner Gabriel García Márquez in the most expensive area of Cartagena, on the Caribbean Sea. The house was a mansion, the palace type with a permanent staff of 15. Both Wolrich and Carly looked like beggars as they entered the two-story high front doors. They entered that mansion both wearing big white sun hats, overly large, and they were covered in sticky pink ice cream and clumps of grey sand stuck to their clothes. Both of them wore I Love Cartagena tourist t-shirts, and they were sweaty and dirty from flowers and children in Carlos's car. After a welcome by the servants who stood in a lineup, such as you see in historical TV shows, the British butler announced, The dinner party tonight is promptly at seven, sir. Dress code is formal. Gifts welcome. Sir Maximilian is delighted that you are able to attend, and that a Miss, uh, Miss? Mrs. Carly Richter, the writer, Vorich said. Yes, the butler said, that, that she will accompany you. I have prepared the West Wing. Nine, Vorich said. Make that the garden suite, Andrew, and we will see Vivienne and Lenique at two. We will have the iced tea on the patio. Now uh, give us the privacy. The butter immediately left the room. It was the way Wilrich showed up that made people run. He stood tall, spoke with calm authority, and, well, he owned the space. No please or thank you, he simply said, and everybody jumped into action. On the patio, with a magnificent ocean view, Wilrich allowed Carly to stare and to settle for a little bit. She jumped up when a waiter brought iced tea and tiny canapé snacks. 
Carly did not drink even a sip of the iced tea, and she did not touch the snacks. I can't do this. I... She bit her lip. Wolrich asked her with a gentle, soft voice. He asked her to sit, and she did. And then he told her to be just herself, because it was so much easier to remember what to do then. He would help her. They would slowly ease her into this new world of wealth. Carly did not believe him. He said that he would teach her how to run the house. And he asked her if she knew that she already owned this house. You know that, yeah? This house is yours. Oh, no, she said, and she glanced around, bewildered. No, 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 no. But you signed the papers he said. You you know I never read any of it. I thought we'd talk about this in Panama um, so, so that I would be prepared. Vorich looked at her and he tilted his head. Would I have been prepared to tell you about this? And he looked at the house. <sighs> no, Carly said, simply because I did not understand how rich you are and, and I'll make a fool of myself tonight. I have no clothes and I, it's awkward. I can't go. Can we just lie in, and, and let's say we, I'm, I'm sick. Vorich shook his head. Nine, it's the first day of you going to the school and of course you're afraid. I will be there. I'll help. I, I don't have anything to wear to fancy formal functions. I, I can't. Vorich had already organized clothes and etc. That's what Vivian and Lenique were. They dressed Carly that night, beautifully so. On the patio, Carly took a little bit of iced tea, swallowed. I think I should take a little bit of a rest, she said. Vorich took Carly to the garden suite and asked her to shower and rest for an hour and then left her alone. The garden suite was the entire rooftop of the house. Both the bedrooms were made of glass, with sides and a roof that could open in certain ways in certain areas. It blended into a garden as if, as if someone had planted a bed next to a lake, and as if the bed thrived by the water. Carly walked into a tropical forest. In one corner there was a roof, a little door. She entered. Ah, oh, butterflies and bees and birds and dragonflies and frogs and a running stream and a tiny waterfall and a second bed, a bed white covered with, with mosquito netting. She pulled the covers away and lay down. To the one side there was a man-made shallow lake. She closed her eyes and lay back. From the bed, she could hear the ocean and smell it. She saw the dark blue sky above her, the puffy thunderclouds building. The clouds turned and rolled, and then she saw the butterflies, the massive ones only tropical places have and dragonflies, magical-coloured dragonflies, and insects. She stared. She took a deep, deep breath. 
it smelt alive, full. Like rain, like sun, earth, fire, sand, water, rocks, leaves, fruit, flowers, life. Life filled with millions of tiny secrets, shielded by silence. The storyteller closed her eyes. She flung open her arms, and on her back she wiggled into the soft mattress. She lifted her legs and let her feet dance in the air. The events of the day and the day before flashed by. Last night's barbecue under a canopy of umbrellas. Sitting in plastic chairs and a radio and lovers slow dancing. The lively, friendly neighborhood of Carlos's uncle and family. And Vulrich's joy. And that morning, Carlos and his old, dirty yellow taxi rattling through the streets, making that oh-so-dangerous U-turn to his neighborhood. His beautiful pink home. She remembered the songbird in a rusted cage and Volrich with that bucket of flowers by his feet, avocados on his lap and a child on his lap. She remembered the wet children, the grey sand, the sticky pink ice cream and the laughter. And then the memories of San Lazaro Fort, the end of Volrich's freedom, and then the arrival at Volrich's beautiful colonial mansion, his estate, this palace. And then a forest on a roof with a turquoise blue man-made lake that she could touch from her bed. And butterflies and bees and trees. The storyteller opened her eyes and slowly climbed off the bed. Step by step by step, she walked into the shallow man-made lake, still fully dressed and covered in pink sticky ice cream. And then quickly she blew out all of her breath. (sighs) And she allowed herself to sink to the bottom. She lay under the water with eyes wide open. She held her breath. And more and more and more and longer until her lungs screamed. She burst through the surface into the open air. (sighs) Inhaled. And with that breath, filled with Colombian air, forest, that breath, filled with hope, excitement, dreams, anticipation, this breath became her first breath as the worthy heir of Volrich Otto Schneider. He'd been absolutely right about picking her. For in Carly's life story, A simple story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Volrich had added the perfect twist. Money. Wealth. Oh, and of course, lots and lots and lots of bees and butterflies.